Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. All right, guys. Welcome back. Another exciting episode. EYL. The virtual, virtual edition. Virtual edition, yeah. So getting better at this. You know, we're getting better. Yeah, 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 for sure. This is our second virtual episode. So, you know, we uh worked out the kinks the first one. Yeah, yeah. So it's now we're trying one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when there's a will, there's a way. We're gonna get it done. So um, you know, as I said, we try to facilitate people and topics that um we get requested for. And um, you know, this is definitely a topic that we have gotten requested like a lot of times yeah. to talk, cover like finance tips. We t a lot of times we talk about like all kinds of high level stuff, um, but it's important for everybody, not just regular everyday people, everybody, yeah, this is to, everybody have, episode. to have the fundamentals. Like I used to play sports and they always say, my coach used to always say like, before you do trick shots and before you do, you gotta learn the fundamentals. Yeah. So our guest today is the fundamental champion <laughs> crown, the, the crown champ. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Aliche. Um, so she's better known as Budget Nista on Instagram and Facebook and all over the internet. So a real, a real uh, force of nature. She's been all over the place. The real uh, Good Morning America, I believe Forbes, Black Enterprise. Um, she has something that she's doing with OWN, Oprah's yeah. Network. Uh, yep. We just got finished talking about that. Wall so. Street Journal, New York Times. 
Yeah, she's she's all over. She's um a published author. She wrote several books. We're gonna get into that. She has an own academy. She has an extensive um community on yeah. social media. And, and she started in education, preschool. Yeah, we we're gonna talk to that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the budget needs to um if you follow her on Instagram, you know she gives all kinds of tips from retirement planning to budgeting to paying off debt. To just you know, practical yeah. tips that financial tips, that, understanding it, credit, it, understanding credit, yep. all all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, this is right up our alley as far as earn your leisure. So, first and foremost, thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank Appreciate you, it. Yeah. So, thank you for having me. This is dope. I listened to y'all. I remember when Black Enterprise did that article on y'all. I was like, let me, let me listen. Oh wow, wow! Shout out to Black Enterprise. Yeah, that was a minute ago. That yeah, was, that like was July. That was crazy. Almost a year. Uh -huh. that was cra I so I um I put it y'all in my rotation because I, I like listening to the podcast. And then I saw you had my brother from another mother, Ash Cash. That's Ash my. Cash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our guy. That's our guy. We we had him on two podcasts. We had him on two podcasts. Yeah. He did a live podcast for us in DC, and then he did the regular. So shout out to Ash Cash, man. He's yeah. a he's a good guy for he, sure. He got the IL University too. Oh, yeah, shout yeah, out he's to a regular. He's, he's a regular. Yeah, That's our brother. Yeah, he's in house. Harlem Zone. He's in house. <laughs> so, so Tiffany, can we? Um, should I call you Tiffany or Budgetista? Which one do you prefer? I mean, you can call me whatever, but like, you can call me Budgetistas. You know, that's the branding. All so. right, call you whatever. Just don't call you broke. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, all right, Kim, you have a very interesting backstory um, because I actually watched it on your on your website, and a lot of people that we bring on the podcast are from humble beginnings or that financial literacy was not taught to them. Mm -hmm. They're like first generation learning about financial literacy, but you, you was actually um, interesting for a few different reasons. A, you were a teacher like Troy. Um, you, you taught young kids, preschool, I believe, but you said your father actually instilled financial literacy in you at an early age. He was an accountant and the CEOs. And uh, so can you talk about that? Your journey from, you know, growing up in a household of financial literacy to becoming an educator to now becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. So yeah, you had it right. My dad was a CFO and uh, an accountant and he and my mom both immigrated from Nigeria. Shout out Ibo Kwenu. Um, and, so, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they, um, so my dad was like really like kind of like the academic when it came to financial education. So like sit down, Tiffany, let me show you how to budget. Let me show you like how to, sh I, he would like do a budget like in his ledger book, you know, let me show you how to use my calculator with the paper coming out the back. And my mom was more like um, real life application. Like, yo, we going food shopping and we negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> we can, you know. And so, so I'm one of five girls. So, you know, we have five kids. You budgeting lot. is a way of life. That's a lot. <laughs> Extreme couponing. Exactly. So I just grew up like we didn't shy away from money talk in the house. So it was odd to me when I got older and I was like, y'all don't have Thursday night money class. What y'all be doing on Thursday nights? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was odd to me when I got older, how people were so fearful to talk about money because I didn't grow up with this knee jerk reaction. Like, Shh, don't, we don't talk about money here or we don't share the ups and downs. Like I can remember one Christmas, my dad, uh, I think it was like November, December, he, um, his his job was closing down. And he was like, um, so for Christmas, you know, we won't, we won't have Christmas um, in December. Instead, we're going to push it to the end of January, right? And I was like, all right. So we put up the tree like January 25th, and it was like presents abound. So there was, he was really good, and my parents were really good at talking about money in a way that was kid appropriate, but not assigning negativity to it. So it wasn't like, ain't gonna be no Christmas, we ain't got it. It was like, so daddy's job closed, 
because they had a strike. So this is what's happening. And then this is the immediate solution. So I was kind of like, okay. So that was a way of life. And when it wasn't until really I got to college and my college roommate, shout out to her. I won't say your name, girl, because we're still Facebook friends. <laughs> but she was getting debt collectors calling the dorm room. And we thought it was hilarious because, I mean, we kids dumb. So they would call and we were like, we would pretend different names and we would put on different voices. And I thought it was hilarious. And I went home telling my dad, like, yo, such and such has debt collectors calling the room. And he was like, yo, that's serious. And I'm like, is <laughs> Like, y'all are wild. When you go back, tell her to say this, 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 and this. And I was like, okay. And so I did. So it turned out that her mom, who was a single mom and trying her best, had opened up credit cards in her name. Oh. So I had never even heard of that before. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the first time that I realized that, not that, I mean, my parents, we didn't have a lot of money. You can't have a lot of money with five kids for the most part. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it wasn't that. Like, we grew up, I remember roaches and things, you know, when we was real little. Um, so it's not that we had a lot of money, but there was a lot of knowledge. And so it was, I didn't realize that that was truly the difference. And not that, like I said, I didn't grow up having a lot, but I grew up learning a lot. And I took that with me. And after college, in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I chose business randomly because I figured, I guess I could get a job with that. Um, but I really fell in love with teaching on campus to make extra money. I started working at the child care center and I was like, oh, I like this. This is fun. I could be wild. I could be my crazy self. Like, if you know me, I'm like a little on the wild side. And I'm like, because all of my internships were so boring. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm going to die here in corporate America. They're not going to have me. I was so dramatic. They're not going to take my soul. So I was like, okay, after graduation, um, I, it was like one year away when I realized I didn't want to work in corporate America. And um, so I decided instead I'm going to be a teacher. So I went back and got my certification. And in the meantime, I said, well, back then you could do this. I don't think you could do it now, but you could teach preschool with a college degree. You didn't have to be certified. I believe now you have to have certification. So I said, okay, it's nine months for certification. I'll teach older grades after that. But in the meantime, I'll teach preschool. But I ended up falling in love with that age. And I stayed there for 10 years. And I loved it. And I wasn't making much. I remember my corporate internship job after graduating offered me $50,000 a year. And my um, the teaching job offered me 39000 and that's when I realized the importance of financial education, because I was like, I could take the 50 and hate my life, or I could take the 39 and love my life, but not make as much. So I took the 39 and I freaked it. And freaked it. Two years <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In two years, I saved $40,000. I bought a condo. I bought my car in cash. I had like this little putt-putt uh, 2019 um, uh, Nissan Altima, but it was paid off in cash. So I had $40,000 saved. I bought a condo. I had my master's. I was, honestly, I had money saved. I was maxing out my retirement account. I was doing all the right things, um, so much so I decided, okay, it's time for me to start investing for wealth, not just retirement. So this is back in the day when I used to believe that if you look like you had money, you had money. Mm -hmm. So one of my friends, I'll call him, um, uh, 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 I call him Jacob the Thief. His name is not Jacob, but he's in jail now. So, mm -hmm. so <laughs> Jacob the Thief was my, I thought he was my boy, and I thought, yo, Jacob got money. Hold your head. Hold your head, man. Like a Lambo. I mean, but he had a penthouse in New York. I mean, dressed tailored down. And I was like, yo, Jacob, you clearly have money. Teach me how to invest. And he was like, okay, you look like a sucker. I mean, an investor. And so he was like, you know, the best way to invest is other people's money. 
do you have credit cards? I was like, one, but you don't really have much of a balance because my dad, not a balance, a limit. My dad had already taught me that you pay off your credit cards every month in full. So I had one. Um, and so he was like, nah, yo, you got good credit. Open up like three of them joints. I said, okay. <laughs> Opened them up and I had like high limits, 5,000, 10,000. He's like, take that money off. We gonna invest with that money. Uh. All that money on there. <laughs> I gave it to Jacob, the damn thief. And he was gone. And here I was with $35,000 in credit card debt, like overnight. And I just remember being like, wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> and I was hot. And, and then I remember I was like, nah, yo, I'm going to get the boys on Jacob. Like, so I was searching for Jacob. And, um, and then the recession hit. And all of a sudden, my school where I worked, they were like, yeah, so new school year, it's not happening. So, you know, good luck to you. I was like, so wait, now I owe $35,000 in debt. I had just got my master's. So now I also had a 50 plus thousand dollar like master's degree from Seton Hall University that I had to pay off. I have a mortgage, credit card debt for the first time and no job all of a sudden. It was like really bad. And I went from all of a sudden being Tiffany who was so good with my money to Tiffany who's broke. Um, and it was hard to like dig my way out. And it took me a while to kind of forgive myself for the mistakes. Cause I blamed like, I mean, it's one thing to take responsibility is another thing to blame yourself. So I told myself, you have to take responsibility, but it's, it's, you have to, you got to get tired of kicking yourself while you're down girl. Like, okay, we get it. You ain't kill nobody. You know, you made a mistake. You were in your early twenties. These things happen. So I leaned on what I knew. I knew how to budget. I knew how to save. I knew how to like the, fun, the, the fundamentals that I had learned at home. I leaned on that. And it was the recession, the 2008, 2009 recession. I moved back home with my parents. I was 29 going on 30, sleeping in my schmedium middle school bed, like, yo, this can't be life, but it was. And from there, I started to just like build myself back up and people started asking me like, yo, cause they had already known me before. I used to help my family and friends with their budgets and things like that. And I used to volunteer um, doing so. Like I would help the parents of my preschoolers with their finances, but just like something, you know, light work. But I realized that during a recession, people needed that assistance. And so, I'm like friends would ask and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends. And then finally my best friend was like, you should, you should start charging. And I'm like, can you do that? And my baby sister gave me the name Budgetista cause she was being shady. She was like, Oh, you know, the fashionista. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, that's not you. <laughs> and I was like, you know what though? I like it. So Budgetista it was who's laughing now, Lisa. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So I started the Budgetista and it was started off as one-on-ones. And then I started partnering with organizations like the United Way, Boys and Girls Club. Um, and then I started working, like, you know, speaking at colleges and then Prudential. And before I knew it, social media um, started to be less about what you ate for dinner and lunch. And more and more people, businesses started to come online. And so I started to lean in to, like, using online to grow my business. And the Budgetista was booming. Um, it actually does really well. I realized that this financial education space does really well during recessions. Um, and so, yeah, it was booming and it, it really, I'm grateful for those hard times because it also humbled me and it taught me what people were really feeling when they were messing up financially. Cause I didn't get that before. Cause I had been financially perfect up until like my, my mid twenties. And once I went through financial hard times, when someone tells me I lost my house to foreclosure, I'm like, I know what that feels like. Cause I've been there yeah. or like, yo, I don't have enough money for groceries. I'm like, I know what that feels like. And so I'm glad for those times because it allows me to truly be of service and to serve from a place of empathy, not just sympathy. 
lot of game. First of all, uh, happy teacher appreciation week. Once a teacher, always a teacher. I, I want to go back to what you said about investing um, for wealth versus investing for retirement, especially with my colleagues in, in the field of education. All they think about is retirement. They don't really think about long-term wealth. How'd you get people in that, in that mindset, especially around you at that time? To, to start, well, in during the recession, everybody wide open. Everybody, because it's like struggle time. So everyone's like, I need help, I need help, I need help. And they realize that some of the, everyone's not broke because of COVID. A lot of folks know that they struggling because of things before COVID. Mm -hmm. That COVID was really like a magnifying glass on, yeah, you, you know, you was already here, sis. Like you, you know, your bank account was already on low, low. And so it wasn't hard to get people in the mindset because people were really open. Like, honestly, it was just like, hey, who does help with budgeting? I do. Because if you can't feed your kids, you can't pay your bills, you're ready to learn. You know, so that part was honestly easy. It's hard. It's hard during great times to get people to get on board because before um, 2008 um, financial crash, nobody wanted to hear me talk about um, budgeting and living simply. None of my friends cared. But like, you know, when you lose your job and there's no money in the savings account and the checking account, you know, people were open. So that's that's really what it was. It was the times like it was it was like there was a, like a crack in the matrix and I slipped in. Mm. It was perfect timing for for what I was bringing to the table. It was things that I had already said already. Like even now, like our business, you know, we had the best April ever, like the best month ever, ever, ever in 10 years of business. And it's because people are open right now because it, we're in what looks like to be the start of a recession. So let me ask you this. Um, you was making $39,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And in two years, you said you saved 40,000 yeah. and you maxed out your full, your retirement plan. How is that possible? Because like, yeah, how is that even possible? Well, see, one of the things I did was it's the before the before. So what most people do, they graduate college. They're like, yo, I got the stunt. I need me a core. And I was like, I need a car too. But what I'm not going to do is get the $20,000 car with the car gnome. Instead, I stayed, I stayed home my first year after graduating college. Because even though living with Nigerian parents are no joke, because it's still like, where are you going? It's to midnight. I'm like, it's eight. <laughs> what are you doing in the streets? In the streets, right? <laughs> so, right? So, but I was like, I'm willing to take the short-term L for the long-term W. Tweet it at the budgetista. So, um, so that's what I did. I stayed home for a year. And I remember at the time I, I didn't even I wasn't even making the thirty nine thousand. I was making I think fourteen dollars an hour. But I knew one thing I had to pay rent, and I didn't have a car at the time. But I wanted to save up, so I was making uh I want to say I probably was making, like maybe like uh two thousand dollars a month or something like that, or maybe not even maybe like fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars a month. But I was saving um, about nine hundred dollars a month when I stayed home that first year out of college. That's a mistake. I know everybody doesn't have this opportunity, but I'm sharing because people always get mad. Like, I can't do that. Sis, you asked me my story. <laughs> so I stayed home because I was able and my parents said, you don't have to pay rent. I used to ride my bike to go teach at the local daycare center. It was in Plainfield, New Jersey. And um, I was making, like I said, 14 or 15 dollars an hour, making like, I think, sixteen hundred dollars a month, saved uh, um, saved um, nine hundred dollars a month. And at the end of the year, I had like ten thousand eight hundred. So with that 10800 I told my dad, 
okay, I want to get a car. He was like, well, lesson, adult lesson number one, do not get a new car. It's a waste of money. They depreciate. It's a losing investment. It's not an investment. It's it's a liability. It means liabilities. To, well, y'all know, but just for the audience. <laughs> liabilities take money out your pocket, right? Yeah. So Asset, I said, assets okay. over liabilities. Yeah. I've heard that slogan before. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, but I'm going to take you to my guy. You know, everybody got a guy. I'm going to take you to my guy. He will take you to the auction. And so he take, took me to his friend who's a dealer. Um, a car dealer and took me to the auction and I was like that one 99 Toyota uh, 99 Nissan um, um, Altima it was 5,500 my dad said okay that's what you want so from my 10,900 I, I I put down I bought it for 5,500 so one now I have no car note but I do have a car two my insurance was super low because when you own the car outright your insurance is low so I remember my insurance being like $52 a month so if you compare someone else's life, they have a car, they have insurance, but that's costing them, say, $300 a month. I have a car, I have insurance, but it's costing me 52 bucks a month. So I was like, all right, now we cooking with grease. Now it was like when I was able to get the job teaching, right, um, uh, and making 39000 I still had that car. And I was like, okay, now I'm ready to move out. But one thing I knew was, yes, is it dope to have my own fly apartment? Yes. But you know what's even better? Paying low rent. So I asked my sister. I was 23 and she was 25. I said, you ready to blow this joint? She said, sure am. So we got an apartment together. It took me, like, I was in charge for looking for the apartment because she knew I was cheap. So it took me, like, six months of looking everywhere. We found this apartment. It was actually next to a daycare center. The woman who owned it, she was like, look, y'all look like nice wholesome girls and it's next to my business, this daycare center. So I don't want no party and no this, no that. So as a result of that, I'm going to keep the rent low and reasonable. It was $1,100 a month. It included the utilities because the daycare center and the house that we were renting were connected. So the daycare center paid the utilities. I was like, but you ain't got to worry about us being crazy. And so $1,100 a month divided by two is 550. So now my other friend has an apartment, $1,200 a month in a car and insurance $300 a month. Her life is costing her $1,500. I have an apartment, $550 a month, and I have insurance five, um, five, um, $50 a month. So my life is costing $600 to her $1,500. Do you see? Mm -hmm. So I, I learned that there thing, you can get the thing that you want. Is there a way to get it at a discount? So I was living the same life as my, the rest of my 20-something-year-old friends, but I was patient waited for the discount. Like I didn't finance any of the furniture. Like I was sleeping on an air mattress until I had enough money to save and to get the, um, the, um, like bedroom set that I wanted. And even then I knew, you know, you really can't negotiate at Macy's. I was like, you know, Sylvia Liche, my mom taught me when we were kids how to negotiate. So I went to the mom and pop shop was like, Ooh, that Ashley furniture real cute. And <laughs> it's been sitting in the window for a long time. Mr. Lou. How about you sell it to me for no? Okay. Every week I used to come in like it's still here. You're not gonna get no new merchandise till you move this um furniture. Oh my god. After three weeks, Mr. Lou sold it to me for like, you know, like a 30% discount. So I had my couch set, my bed set, and I paid for it cash. And so I was always really good at doing that, saying, I want the same things as my counterparts. How do I get the same things as my counterparts? But at a price that that makes sense. So the, the reason why most people can't afford their life is that they finance everything. They finance their computer, they have a blender bill, a refrigerator bill, a light bill, every little thing that they want. Even if you're like, oh, I don't have a blender bill. Did you use your credit card to buy that blender? Well, then since you got a blender bill. 
And so I learned that if I wanted something to wait, to save and to get it so I didn't add any additional monthly expenses, that's how I was able to save so much because I was living off half my income because everything I had, I had paid for in full. So I really didn't have that many reoccurring um, bills. That's the key in to be able to save a significant amount of money is to not have reoccurring bills or not to have as many reoccurring bills. You know what? I gotta be honest. I was a little skeptical <laughs> because I was thinking to myself, like, if you make thirty nine thousand after tough. taxes, you're making like twenty five thousand. But you, you broke it down, and um, yeah, I guess anything is possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I, I was so waiting for you to tell us that you were on your noodle budget, and I was like, all right, here it comes. Here's the noodle budget. But nah, you got another way to get it done. Yeah. Well, your noodle budget is this, and everyone. I mean, I, when I was, you know, unemployed and. And after teaching and lost my job, I did drop down to get my noodle on, right? <laughs> and so people ask me, like, you know, what's the noodle budget? It's really just what is your – if you had to eat ramen noodles, meaning if you had to live your cheapest, least expensive life, no bells, no whistles, what is that budget? So first you have to know what your regular budget is. Maybe it's $3,000 a month. That's rent. That's the kids. That's car note, whatever, right? That's going out. That's haircuts. And then your noodle budget, let's just say it's 2,500 bucks a month because you cut your own hair. You don't go out. And I don't suggest that people live at their noodle budget unnecessarily. That's over-sacrifice for what? But you should know what it is because if you lose your job, instantly you want to turn around and drop down and get your noodle on. Like, like why do you still have cable running and they threaten you with foreclosure? Like, turn off the TV, sis, right? That's so I would fact. say sis because, like, most of my women that follow me, are, my dream catchers are, are women, right? So it doesn't make sense. We don't pivot fast enough. You lost your job. First people you should be calling are those extra, you know, those extra bills that you don't need to pay anymore. It's not forever. You will eventually watch TV again, I promise you, yeah. you know? But it's like we don't pivot fast enough. I call it like, the lady in the fur coat. So Bergen County, um, I live in... In Newark, and um, during the last recession, I was in uh, Bergen County. I was getting gas, and this lady had like this fur coat on and like a Range Rover. You could tell that, you know, this woman had bank at one point. So I'm looking because I'm nosy. I'm looking at her, the, the amount of money on her gas, um, like whatever, like on the gas tank where it says like how much she owes. It was like $25, right? And so in Jersey, we don't pump our own gas. So she gave the dude her car, he swipes it, and it's like, nah, gives it back to her. You know, and she gives him another one, another one. And but it was the height of the recession, probably 2009. And what it was like clear to me was that this is someone who had money, but maybe she had it all wrapped up in investments, and that had dropped. She had not pivoted. She was still living at that old like. You see how I gave her a whole like backstory. I don't know that lady business, but this is what <laughs> I had told myself. I was like, ooh, she clearly had money, but she don't have no money no more. She's still out here stunting in her Range Rover, right? But everyone does that. Everyone, we do that. We all do that. Like if your cable's still on and, and you can't afford your rent, if you're still buying clothes and you're late on your credit card bill, you see, like we all are the lady with the fur coat on. It's just at the different levels. So just key to life or key to, to a strong financial life. It's just living below your means. I mean, I, nobody, no, nobody wants to do that. My dad would say you have to cut your coat according to your size, mm. right? Everybody want to squeeze into a small. Now, you know, you want medium, like, like, it's not living less of a life. It's living within the life that your money provides for you. There's nothing wrong with that. You can't grow wealth living an outsized life. It's levels. It's levels, and you got to understand what level you're on. Yeah. It's, it's a humble, <laughs> humbling experience sometimes, but it is what it is. Dream catchers, not dream chasers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, languaging is, is, is language important. Language is important. That's a fact. <laughs> As Crystal and Kid Fury would say, words mean things. Yeah. 
act, act your wage, act accordingly. Um, so in the next, so in the next segment, we gonna we gonna go into the meat and potatoes of all of the financial tips that everybody always tunes in to earn your leisure for and give out some free game. All right. So in this segment, we um, want to start off with where we left off of budgeting and budgeting. I, I think is budgeting is extremely underrated when it comes to financial planning for for individuals. I always say like if you look at a corporation. Um, Budgeting is like the major thing that they do. Like, you know what I mean? Like Apple knows every dollar that comes in and comes out. Like they pay accountants millions of dollars. They have a whole team of accountants to, to keep track of the books. And budgeting is like, that's everything. Budgeting is everything. But it's like most entrepreneurs and most regular people that just have jobs have no idea of the budget. Like they don't have any idea of how much money comes in. They have no idea of how much money goes out. They're just winging it and um, just, you know, spending money whenever, you know, they need to. And the money comes in and it just goes into their bank. And that's kind of like how most people run not only their business, but their life. Mm -hmm. So budgeting, budgeting 101, right? For somebody that has never budgeted before, um, but they first and foremost, why, why is budgeting essential? And then we'll go into like some different hacks that can help people to, to get better with budgeting. So budgeting is essential because it is a physical picture of what your money is doing, right? So if you have kids, and you're in the other room and your two-year-old is quiet. You're like, wait, what the hell are they breaking? Because you know they're in there <laughs> cutting up, putting a, you know, putting a knife in the, in the socket, whatever, you know? And so um, it's the same thing with your money. Like, you, you have to be on top of your money. I would say, like, your money is like a bad two-year-old. Like, if you leave it to its own devices, it's going to be breaking shit up. I can curse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Right. So you want to be on it when it comes to your money and, and be present. You, you are the adult. You decide what your money does. And so that's what a budget allows you to do. It allows you to be the adult of your of your life. And so it's a, it's important. You know, I don't care how much money you make. You can outspend like great wealth. There are people who have been millionaires and even billionaires and have been left penniless. So I think sometimes people think like, well, if I had 10 million dollars, was like <clears throat> MC Hammer. Okay. For some of y'all, you're like, who's that? Okay. Uh, Tony Braxton, right? Allen Iverson. So many people have outspent their wealth. It is more than possible. So what kind of, all right. So what are the different strategies for budgeting, right? Like if somebody, okay, I realize the budgeting is important. I want to do it. So how do I go about it? Is it spreadsheet software? Like, is there formulas that you should use? Cause some people say like your housing should only be like 20 or 30% of your total budget. So yeah, what's your, what's your philosophy as far as like the one-on-one, the person realized they need to budget, now they actually want to start a budget? So let's just start super, super easy because I mean, yes, I use a spreadsheet, all that stuff, but most people are not going to do that to start. It's the difference between I want to lose some weight and so tomorrow you're like, you're going to run, you know, 10 miles. You're not going to run 10 miles. You might the first day, then the second day you're going to go back to the couch. So I want you to start off walking. So for someone who's like, I don't budget, I never stuck to a budget, First things first is start with having separate bank accounts, mm -hmm. right? So I believe in having a bills account to pay your bills and having a spend account to spend from. Your bills account should not have a debit card attached to it. You, that's A debit card is a choice. I don't think people realize that. The bank issues you a debit card, but you could be like, nah, I'm good. So my bills account does not have a debit card. My spend account, it's both these are checking accounts at the same bank, has a debit card, and then you want at least one savings account, not at that bank. So you want at least one savings account at an online-only bank. And so what it looks like is that your money comes in, some of it goes into your, your, your I like to call it my deposit account, slash your spend account, so that's where your money lands. 
some of it goes into your bills account to pay bills and you know how much to go into your bills account by what bills are, are due. And then some of it goes into your savings. So in the beginning, you're not going to have the math perfect. You might just be like, I don't care if it's $10 goes into your savings. When I was at my brokers, I was literally transferring $2, you know, just to continue, just to have the habit of savings. You never, you never want to get out of the habit of putting something away in your savings account. That's important. So what I did for my husband, for example, he's not going to sit down and spreadsheet. That's just not happening. He's like, what? Break city? Nope. It's not <laughs> so what we do instead now is we budget for him anyway, because I like a spreadsheet. We budget before his money even gets there. I said, babe, go to HR. Here's what you're going to tell them. Hey, before you give me my money, some of it goes into his retirement account. Check. Some of it goes into his into his spend account, that deposit account where things are deposited, right? Check like his direct deposit account, right? Some of it goes into our joint bills account, check. Some goes into his personal savings, check. And some goes into our joint savings. So he basically, his budget is done automatically through HR. So it lands and all he has to think about is when it comes to his personal savings, whatever you want to do with that, that's your business. As Tabitha would say, the vegan, vegan chef that everybody loves right now, that's your business. Right. And, um, and also all he has to worry about too, is his, basically his allowance in his deposit account in his spending account. So whatever's in his spending account, if I see my husband with some new J's on back in the day, I used to be like, Oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we buying Jordans with the bread money. Now it's not my business no more. Right. Because I know one thing, he didn't take it from the bills account. He didn't take it from our joint savings. So if he took it from his personal savings or his spending account, that's fine. And so, like, if you don't know how to do anything else, if you just have at least those three um, accounts and have your money automatically split from well, really four, because you want to have a retirement account and have your money split from work then you will be ahead of the game. And so for people who want to go a little bit deeper for me, you know, like I, like I said, I like to have a spreadsheet. I like to know how much we're spending on, on, um, on groceries, how much we're spending on gas. So I keep track of that. I just, the tool I like to use best is just Excel. So I like to keep track of that there, but you don't necessarily have to, you set aside a, you know, an allowance for yourself. Um, typically things are led by bills. So if ideally you want to be setting aside 12 to 15% for your retirement and you probably are saying like I can't afford to lose 12 to 15 percent of my pay well then start with one percent and every six months you boost it up start with a half a percent and every six months you boost it up start with something toward retirement and then your bills I like to do bills every two weeks so the money I have transferred to the bills account you ask yourself okay how much are my bills from the first to the 15th and how much are my bills from the 15th to the 30th and that's how you know how much should be going into the bills account, you know? So it might be, or you might just have a select number. You might say, well, my bills are around $3,000 a month. So every paycheck or every pay period, my, my biweekly um, or my bimonthly pay period, $1,500 is going to go into my bills account. And having your bills account pay bills automatically for you is really going to be like clutch. You're like, I, I don't pay bills. Bills pay themselves. So it lands in my bills account and it are, my bills already know, pay my... Um, pay the electric bill, pay the water bill, pay these bills for me automatically. And like I said, what's left in my spend account is attached to my debit card and I can spend. And when that money is done, so am I. What's really important too about a budget is, is the, the savings account. I don't want you to save at your regular bank because it makes it easy to transfer. We've all been there at Target, 
right? And been like, oh man, like I really want whatever this thing is, this blender, this dress, this shirt. And you look at check-in, you know damn well you ain't got no money in check-in. But you know who got money though? Savings. <laughs> and then you're in line making that transfer, like and happy about it too, like making a transfer. Even though you're like, that was supposed to be for Paris. You're like, Paris can wait, yeah. T-shirt can't. Make that transfer, and you're like, dang, later. You're like, this is why I don't ever go nowhere, because I'm always at Target to buy toilet tissue, and then I leave with $300 worth of stuff. If you put your savings in an online-only savings account, though, then you're going to have to wait at least 24 to 72 hours for your savings at your online-only savings account to transfer back to your checking, to your, to your, to your spend account. And so what that means is it makes your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. So I like this website called magnifymoney.com to look for an online only savings account because they grade uh, savings accounts from A to F. So you're going to look for an A account. That's one. Two, you're going to look for an account that's FDIC insured. That's two. Three, you're going to look for an account that's going to give the highest interest rate because your your big bank is not going to give you much of an interest rate. So um, online-only savings accounts don't have um, as much overhead, so they pass that along to you and you earn a higher interest. And then four, you're going to look for a bank that has um, low deposit requirement. So that means in order to open up the bank account, maybe you have to, you have to put in a dollar. And also, two, in order to maintain and get that interest, you don't want them to say you have to have $10,000 in the bank account in order for you to earn um, the interest that they've advertised. So those are the four components you're gonna look for in your online savings account. So I hate to say like, oh, 20% here, 30% there. Unless you have an irregular income, you don't have to live by percentages, you, you would live by amounts. So $100 here, $300 there, $400 here. That's what you're, that's the split that you should be doing regularly every month. If your money it, uh, fluctuates because you have an irregular income, then you would might say, you know, uh, 40% goes into my bills. Um, you know, 5% goes into spending. Um, but you have to work backwards. Like how much are your bills? Unless you're starting from scratch and you're 21, you're just moving out then you can force your bills to fit within that percentage. But it's easy for people to say, Oh, 70, 30, 40. Yeah, but like, so what are your bills actually though? Your bills might be 70% of your income right now, you know? So if that's so, you have to pay your bills and you're, I'm not worried about the percentage just now, like how much do you actually need to pay bills? Put that in the bills account. Okay, how much ideally do you wanna save once those bills are paid? I wanna save $100 a month, well make that a bill. Now that $100 a month is automatically put into that savings account directly from your job. And then what's left over, like I said, is your spending money. You know, you might tell yourself, I'm going to give myself $50 um, every two weeks for spending. Okay, great. And for whatever reason, if there's not enough money that you take care of bills, you say, I guess I can't save this month. And I guess I can't, um, I don't have spending, spending uh, money this month for like, you know, spending money for things that are like, you know, like hair, nails, grooming, this and that, you know? Yeah. So sometimes you don't have it and that's okay. So there are times when I didn't have it. But I had to pay bills. And even sometimes I didn't have enough for bills. And I had to say, well, I have to pay my noodle budget bills, my essential bills. Verizon can wait. Verizon is not going to shoot you if you don't pay. Yes, will affect your credit score. But credit scores are things that you can, you can, you can increase later. I'd much rather you take care of things that are going to make you happy. I mean, healthy and safe. I, I, I was just thinking about that. Because one, one of the things, the powerful things you talk about is identifying ifs. Like, we can have anything we want if we just identify our ifs and control them so that we can budget, right? Like, so if um, I want to save $400, maybe I don't uh, go to the barbershop twice a week, right? So can you talk about the importance of identifying the ifs and how they can translate to having more money in your budget? Absolutely. There are four questions you should ask yourself before you spend any money. Do I need it? 
Do I love it? Do I like it? Do I want it? Need it? Love it? Like it? Want it? Need it? Love it? Like it? Want it? We need Swiss on that. <laughs> right? Um, so your needs come first. That's food, shelter, clothing, water, the absolute necessities you must have to stay healthy and safe. You pay for those first. Most of us adhere to that. That's why you're alive. Then your loves are those things that enhance your life. What are things five, 10 years from now that still add value, even though that thing might not be there, right? So if you had Oprah's bank account, I always tell people, what would you do or do more of? So a lot of people say travel, maybe they'd start a business, maybe they go back to school, maybe the philanthropy, whatever that is. So those are your loves. Those are things that give you long-term joy, even when that thing is not physically there, right? And then your likes are short-term joy. So, you know, that's your, that's your target run. That's your, um, that's that dress that you're like, oh, this is super cute. Um, you know, that might be, I don't know, eating out with friends or eating out with friends might be a love. Cause you might be like, yo, I'm such a foodie five years from now. I'm remembering that restaurant. So there's no judgment. You get to decide, but likes are short-term joy and wants are just things to get. I, I really try to stay away from just frivolous spending, which is what wants are. It doesn't mean I never do it. But it doesn't make sense to trick up your money and wants when you can have more things for loves and, and, and your needs. And so what I try to do is I try to live in the second half, the first half of life, my needs and my loves, because that's an enriched, fulfilled life. So I'm not really a foodie, although my belly would suggest otherwise. <laughs> but I'm not really a foodie, but I used to go eat brunch every weekend with my friends. And then one day I was like, why the hell am I going to brunch? I have not been on vacation in like two years. So I stopped going. They're like, yo, Tiffany, you so cheap, right? And I'm like, I'm not cheap. It's just that, like, I don't want to spend my money on brunch anymore. I don't want to spend $30 a week eating brunch. And so I started saving my brunch money that I made it a game. Every time they asked me to go to brunch, I would put, I would transfer $30 to my savings account. And then within a few months, I had enough money. I went for my first solo travel trip. I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because I had on my bucket list, I wanted to ride in a hot air balloon. In Albuquerque, New Mexico is the hot air balloon capital of the world. Who knew? Now you do. That's a fact. And, right? And so I was like, okay. So I remember my friend called me, um, Tawana. She was like, hey, girl, we're about to have, we're going to have brunch tomorrow. But I know you and your cheap behind. You ain't going. I was like, because I was like slight flex. Well, actually major flex. I was like, oh, girl, I'm about to get in a hot air balloon. The captain said I got to turn off my phone. Can I call you later? <laughs> she was like, I had an air balloon in Newark. I'm like, no, girl. New Mexico. <laughs> That's what I do with my brunch money. Mic drop. So, <laughs> okay. so now I don't I stop telling my friends I don't say I don't say no to brunch. I'll tell them like, ah nah girl, I can't go right now because I'm saying yes to Paris. Mm. I'm saying yes to Istanbul. I'm saying yes to Santorini. These are places I've been. I'm saying yes to Morocco. And so I started to decide for myself what my needs and my loves were. So I'm not against spending money. I'm against spending money on things that don't matter to you. Prioritize what your more is. Like some of us are spending our whole life spending money on someone else's idea of more. Tawana is a foodie, not me. That's her more. That's less for me. You know, let her eat out with another foodie and she can come to my house and chill out for free. And so that's really how you start to prioritize, just to ask yourself, like, what does more of a life truly mean? You know, for me, I don't want any, you know, your spending should be reflective of your values and how you want your life to go. So you said uh, with the online savings, that was a good point. I tell people that all the time, like, you got to treat your savings like a bill, like how you have your bill, your car bill. Like you can't afford to not pay your car bill. You can't afford to not pay your cell phone bill. So savings, like you said, no matter how much it is. It should be a line item in a bill, I think. Um, but I wanted to touch on, I had a few questions. So first, 
when you had mentioned with your husband with HR, so I didn't even know that was possible. So somebody's paycheck can be split into different um, bank accounts for direct deposit? Typically up to four. So most midsize, so like even my company, I don't have some huge company, but we're able to do that. So typically up to four splits. And so if you're, if you're a single, ready to mingle, um, <laughs> I would say your bills account, um, a like and and your savings account and your spending account. So I would do the three, right? Um, so, but if you are um, in a relationship where you're like sharing expenses, then I would have four. I believe that you should have some autonomy over your finances as well as responsibility because you're with someone. So that would be a personal savings, each person, a joint savings, um, a and joint bills, and um and 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 then your own spending account. So two checking, two savings. So one of the checking, one of the savings is yours, and the other checking, the other savings is someone else's. Um, well, belongs to co collectively to the whole. Um, and, and all all you all you have to do is just go to HR and it's like a form, like the regular direct deposit form that you fill out, but it's just like you can just add different bank accounts to it. Yes, and tell them this is the amount. Like what, like you know, my check is. $5,000, you know, let's just say a pay period, a thousand goes here, a thousand goes here, a thousand goes here. And so now like the other day, cause my, cause because it's online only savings, we don't look at it all the time. My husband is like, yo, babe, I got mad money in my savings. I'm like, okay, you're welcome. I upgrade, <laughs> right? And so, <laughs> but he was like, yo, I never had this much saved because he doesn't think about it. It's been like the last two or three years that money will just land. So my husband is the type, Maybe this is all men with your boys. So, you know, your boys be like, yo, yo, you can let me hold $30. You can let me, you know? And so he would always be like, yo, babe, such and such is, you know, such and such is, is struggling. Can we? And I'd be like, who? Tone. I don't even like tone. Right? But like, ah, you know, so now, because so we would have to be talking back and forth to take money out of our, our joint pot. So now there's none of that. Because one, you have your own allowance money. You have your own savings. You want to give tone all your savings. That's how you want to live your life. Go ahead. You know, just don't touch this joint account. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm looking at the um the joint savings and the doorbell. Like, oh, okay, I, long as I don't see no tone bill in that. So it, it allows you, you know, so everyone to feel like you're part of this community where you're all contributing, but it allows you to have autonomy. Like he can do whatever he wants with, well, not whatever he wants, but you know what I mean. Like with his money, he can decide. And so I think that works best for um if you're in a, a significant a relationship with someone. And another thing, the last question. So the online savings, like I said, I, I I believe the same thing you said as far as it's good to have it not with the bank. Like I chase, I have Chase for my business and my personal bank account, but I have Capital One for my online savings. And um, yeah, the reason is that it's not, it's a whole hassle to get the money. You got to wait like three days. So psychologically, it's like out of sight, out of mind. When you, when you, when I log on the Chase app, I don't see it. I even forget about it. I was just thinking about it just now. Like I forgot about, I haven't, I forgot about it. I haven't really been, you know what I'm saying? So but what do you have any top banks that you're recommending like or like interest rates that we should be because I, th I forget i forget what my interest rate is i know it's slightly higher like you said because online banks don't have the same brick and mortar expenses as regular traditional banks do so it's always good to have an online bank um for the higher interest rate but are there any ones that in particular right now that's paying higher interest rates than others um, there was, so here's the thing, like one, I'm like, these banks don't pay my bills. People always say, no, but honestly, so the reason why I tell people like I, I'm currently with Ally Bank, A-L-L-Y, right? But here's the thing, Ally Bank back in the day, they had the best, um, they had the best interest rate. They don't anymore. 
Um, their interest rate is okay. I think last time I checked, it was like well, 1.5%. But there are banks out there. There was a credit union when I looked at Magnify Money the other day that was given 2%. So I definitely say... Go for the bank that's giving the highest interest rate. There's also um, Goldman Sachs has a uh, has a bank account called like Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You know, yeah. that's another one. Um, so, you know, I say that there isn't a, a best bank. If the bank is FDIC insured and they're paying you the highest interest rate, that's the best bank. Um, like I said, I like Ally, but I'm only there now because I signed up with them originally. But best believe, go with the coins are. You can, you don't got to be loyal to your um, bank. They're not loyal to you. Yeah. Go. You know, go with whoever giving you them coins. Yeah, one of the things you said about having a joint account, you know, I can attest to. I think it's a great idea, especially for married couples. Um, I heard you preach about uh, preparing to invest, right? So if you have that joint account, what is something that couples could think about investing? So this is great. So people ask me, like, here's the steps to preparing to invest. So you don't have to wait to invest for retirement. So to be clear, when I say retirement is an investment, the purpose of retirement is not so you're, going, you're not gonna live on no private island in retirement unless you're living on a private island now. Retirement is so you can maintain your current lifestyle. If you set aside 12 to 15% of your income now, of your gross income now, and that's all you ever do, what that will enable you to do is maintain your current lifestyle. So if you don't see palm trees next to you now, you ain't gonna see palm trees when you're 80, right? So then, so you do that first and foremost because you must set aside for your future self. And it's your younger self's job to look after your future self. So that comes first. Then after you're doing that, then you have to have a budget, right? You have to have some sort of physical plan of what your money is doing. This much is going to bills, this much is going to spending, something. So that's step two. Do you have a budget? Check. Before people say, oh, I want to invest. I'm like, slow down. Slow down, son. You killing them. Who filling them with octane? You didn't know I had bars, right? So, so that's two. Do you have a budget? Great. Now, step number three, right? Do you have savings? Right. So are, do you have emergency savings at minimum, minimum, minimum during the recession? I say six months during a non-recession. I say at least three months, three months of your noodle budget, meaning do you have three months of your essential bills saved? Because we already talked about if you were to lose your job, you're going to drop down and get your noodle on. You're not going to be living at the same. You're not going to be living at your three thousand dollar budget. You're going to be living at your twenty five hundred dollar budget. So do you have at least three months of your noodle budget saved? That's important because that is going to help you if times get rough and tough. Do you have that? Great. Then number four, do you have high interest um, debt? Meaning how are you going to invest when you owe Visa at 18, 19, 25, 30 percent? Do you think you're going to get a return of 15, 13, you know, 30%? No. On average, the market yields about 7 to 8% a year. So what that means is you put your money in the market, on average, you're going to get back $0.08, cents, let's just say. But because you have credit card debt, you're losing $0.18 cents a month or year. So you make it eight cents and lose it 18 cents. The best thing you can do is pay off the credit card debt, the high interest credit card debt, because you're losing more than you're likely to gain in the market. So before you start investing, you and your boo, like get rid of that high interest credit card debt first and foremost. So that's four. So now you've done all those four things. You're feeling cute. Okay, you're feeling spicy. Now we can leap into investing for wealth. So investing for wealth, 
if you are a couple, um, if you don't know how to do nothing else, like, you know, so most people are like, they're not really willing to do like, everybody wants to like trade options. They don't even know what that is. They want to, you know, they, everybody wants to buy stock. Then you bought Delta. How's that working out for you right now? How's Delta doing? <laughs> it's doing terrible. I can tell you because I have Delta. <laughs> and so most people want to do that. But truth is, most people are not willing to do the work for investing. That's okay. So this is what I tell people that instead you can invest in a, um, a mutual fund. Uh, I prefer target date funds because it's like super, super um, handholdy. A target date fund is a mutual fund that you pick the target date, the date you want to pull out that money. So typically um, most target date funds are, are the date that you want to pull out that money typically is the date that you want to retire. Um, so you might say 2050, 2045, 2035, they're usually five years apart. So you're going to pick a mutual fund. That's a target date fund, right? A, a mutual fund, just so you know, for those listening, I'm sure you know, but you never know. It's a collection of, of investments. Um, I like mutual funds that tend to be index funds. So they follow a particular index like the S&P 500, which is basically like the market. So that means you're invested in a mutual fund that's an index fund. And it follows the market and your money. The, the reason why I like target date funds is that it rebalances like a true investor knows that they have to shift based upon how life, like where they are in life. Most people don't do that. So a target date fund does it for you. A target date fund says you pick the target date of 2050. It is now 2020. We have 30 years. We got time. So we, the target date fund is going to be in, uh, uh, invested more aggressively because you have 30 years. The closer you get to 2050, the more conservative automatically your investment is going to be invested because the target date fund is aware up oh, 2050 is coming up. So the closer we get, if it's 2049, then you're super, you might be invested in, in all cash accounts and, and, and bonds, super, super conservative investments, right? So you don't have to do anything else. You can buy a mutual fund that that's that um that follows an index fund, like I said, the S and P 500. Um, typically, you can you can follow you look for a mutual fund that's that's called a total market fund, meaning that your fund mimics a particular market, like I said, the S and P 500. So when the when the market goes up, your money goes up. When the market goes down, your money goes down. But we like we like I mentioned before, on average, the market yields about seven to eight percent. A year, so you will, you will over the over the next thirty years, you're gonna see about a seven eight percent gain, which is great. You know, even like that's for people who are like, I don't want to do nothing else. Like, and so when you're looking for a um a target date fund or a mutual fund, you're looking for something called the expense ratio, and that is the fee that that fund is charging you, um, the percentage of the money that you have invested with that fund. And so right now, like a Vanguard, they have one of the lowest expense ratios. So um, the brokerage accounts that have mutual funds and, and um, target date funds and these total market funds are like Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab. So you're gonna Google expense ratio for, for Fidelity, expense ratio for Charles Schwab. I think like right now, it's like the target date fund for um, a total market target date fund for um, Vanguard right now is like 0.06%, which is great, right? Not even 0.006%, which is like something ridiculous, like a piece of a piece of a piece of a piece of a penny. Um, and so that's great because the average financial advisor is going to charge you 1%. Of, of the assets of your of your money that they've invested. So the financial advisor is going to charge you 1%. Vanguard's going to charge you um, a piece of a piece of a piece of 1%. So you get to keep more of your money. These are the biggest hindrance to earning money. You know, I'm not anti-financial advisor, but 
you're spending a lot of money sometimes for, for them to do automatically what some of these automatic funds can do. Unless you have other things your financial advisor is doing for you, if they're just investing your money, bruh, sis, just put it in a, um, in a target date fund and let the fund automatically balance for you and you can keep most of your money. So if you're investing with your significant other, what I love is that you can literally say, hey, Vanguard, want to open up a, um, a mutual fund would prefer a target date fund that's invested in index. So do you have, like, I know Vanguard literally has one called their total market fund. Oh, you have a total market fund? Okay, open it up. We're going to be putting $200 a month. Just, you can have that transferred automatically from your savings account. Transfer your 200 bucks a month because you already have your three months of savings. Transfer your 300 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month into that account and let it grow. You kind of set it and semi-forget it. So that's like the easiest possible way to start investing. If you do that, you will be better off than 99.9% most people. Um, and just keep it really simple. I think investing should be really simple unless like you really are interested in learning how to buy individual stocks. But you have to, when it comes to investing like in the traditional sense and like the market, Keep it simple. And then you can also invest by starting a business. You can invest by writing a book. There's other ways to invest. Um, you can invest by real estate. Like I do all those things. I, I have residual investments where I have books that pay me a few thousand dollars a month from books I've written years ago. I have a business that, you know, that's an investment as well. I put money into that business and it yields money back. Um, I also have real estate. You know, even in your primary, your primary residence, you have to think about that as an investment and you have to understand that the key with investing is you should make money on the buy, not necessarily the sell. So meaning this is that if you always make sure you make money on the buy, you never lose when it's time to sell. So bought this house that I'm living in now, cash, slight flex, <laughs> but it was a foreclosure. So it was worth at the time, maybe 320 because it was kind of like a little bit beat up and we bought it for 180 so we made money on a buy even if nothing else we didn't fix it up we're like you know we tired we ran out of money to fix it up we bought it for 180 a house that's worth 320 so we made money on the buy no matter what so even now they're talking about the market is going to drop i'm not worried about it it would have to drop a whole hell of a lot for a house worth 320 to drop down to 180 you know gotta have the wind built in Exactly. So we so then we then we renovated the place. So now I just got the house appraised. We renovated it. The house is now worth um three ninety. So it's like even if we never renovated it, we was gonna win. So same thing with stocks, you know, that like you you make money on the buy, you know. Um, um not necessarily like um you don't wanna have to wait for the sell, but not enough people do that. They wanna jump into the market right now because you know, your your um neighbor is like, Oh, I bought um Oh, you're not in beyond me? Oh, oh, you don't do Bitcoin? Meanwhile, you don't know nothing about what they're talking about. Don't jump in and lose your money. Like, if you're not willing to do the research, you're going to be broke. Get you an index fund, you know, invest in things that you're willing to do the research on or invest in semi-automated, super simple investments, and you'll be fine. You don't have to have the – your investments should honestly largely be boring. You don't have to have the, the hottest stock. So. All right. Uh, so in the last segment, we're going to bring it home with a few more tips uh, on personal finance. So, okay, so um, two questions that I had that's related to personal finance, that's big ones. Um, the first one is credit cards, right? So a lot of people are struggling with credit card debt, and I've heard different strategies of how to pay off credit card debt. I think one strategy is like the avalanche strategy. Um, and like, so we have one strategy, you pay off the smaller amount, oh, the larger amount first, I think. The other strategy is you pay off the highest interest amount first. So like if you have five cards, and one is 20%, one is 15, you pay off the 20% first, where the other one is if you have five cards and whatever the highest amount is, you focus the majority of your resources to that, knock that out the way and then. So 
do you have a set strategy for people that um you personally recommend or like what's what's the best way that somebody can can go about paying off credit card debt so yeah, those are both really good ways. So I personally like the um, the snowball method first, uh, first and foremost. Well, I like a mix of snowball slash avalanche. So the avalanche method is the method where you pay off the more expensive debt first, and that is the debt that has the highest interest rate. So that's the fee that they're charging you for the money that you owe them, right? So the reason why you pay that off first is because logically, if I can get rid of that debt first, that debt is costing me the most amount of money. I'm paying 20%, 20 cents on every dollar for that debt. But the problem is, is that what if that debt that you're owing is $30,000 and you make $30,000 a year, you'll be paying that forever. So it doesn't really feel good. It's like the equivalent of saying you're going to bench press 100 pounds tomorrow. You're just starting out. So I like to start off with the snowball method which is that you pay the debt with the lowest balance first, right? And so you start off so you can have early success. And so let's just say, you know, you have a, a credit card um, debt where the balance is $100. You pay off that $100, woohoo, now you take that whole payment I used to pay to that debt and you roll it over to the next lowest debt on your list. So as you start to do that, then once you start to get a little momentum, then you can start looking at, okay, now which debts are really now you can start to mix in avalanche. So which debts are actually costing me the most amount of money now that I freed up cash by paying off these lower debts. And so I like a mix of the two of avalanche and, and snowball method, but I say start off with snowball and then you can start to infuse avalanche. So basically start off paying off the debt with the, with the lowest balances first. And then once you have excess money, because you don't have those, those smaller balances, you don't have those credit cards to throw money at, then you can start using this excess money to pay off debts with the highest interest rate. Yeah, you said in times right now, like a lot of people are in financial hardships. I've heard you say that uh, one of the things you could do is reduce your payments to debt. So if you were paying $200 a month to your Best Buy card and the minimum payment was $50, maybe now paying 70 is a key. You want to talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, so especially during, if you don't have at least three months of your noodle budget saved, so three months of essential essential um, expenses saved, I mean, I wouldn't even pay $70 to my Best Buy. I'd be paying Best Buy the 50 because during recessionary times or times during a recession, cash is queen, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you were to lose your job, if you were to get sick, if your job were to close down, what you going to do? You're going to need cash. Debt free and no savings equals debt. Because so many people are still so proud. Oh, Tiffany, I paid off my credit card debt. How much savings you got? Nothing. Well, then you got debt, girl. No, I'm debt free. No, you're not. Let your car break down. What you going to do, sis? You're going to look at your savings account, which is empty, and you're going to look back at that credit card and swipe that card. And that credit card is now going to charge you a fee for using that card for an emergency when you could have used money for free in, from your savings account. So I like debt free doesn't equal wealth. I mean, especially the black community. Prudential does this, did this study called like the black American experience or something like that about money. And they found that. They interviewed like a few thousand black folks and asked like, what's your number one goal? And our goal as a community is to get debt free. And the larger population, their goal is to grow wealth. Because somehow along the way, we have confused debt freedom with wealth. It's not the same. You know who else is debt free? I've got a four-year-old nephew, Roman. Roman don't have no debt. Roman is broke. Right? Well, we ain't got no money. So debt-free is not the same thing as wealth. And we put so much energy into getting debt-free. That doesn't mean anything. Right? I'd rather 
you focus, like, you know, make debt something that's like this behind the scenes goal, debt freedom, and you know, you pay it like you're supposed to, but really focus your energy on growing wealth. I'll give you an example. So I had told you I had that, that, uh, student loan, Seton Hall University, $50,000 plus, right? Or like 52,000, something like that. I was the forbearance queen. I was like, not this year. No, 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 deferment, nope, right? So I did that for years. And then maybe like three or four years, maybe four years into the budget, Nista, I could afford to make a payment on the debt. And I started to, and then I realized that maybe I was paying like, I don't know, a few hundred bucks a month. And I was like, huh. I can aggressively, I had, I had aggressively paid off that um, $35,000 credit card debt scam. And I said, I can continue to aggressively pay off this student loan debt, but I noticed that the budgetista is needing money for growth. I need to hire a designer. I need to hire what, so I could take this extra money and put it toward the business instead. So I told like my student loan, you going back on forbearance and deferment. I'm going to have to see you later, sis. And I put the money toward my business instead. And in two years, I was able to write a full check of $52,000 to my credit card, to my student loan debt, because I had grown my business to seven figures. So if I had used that money to pay off the student loan debt, then, then I would have been student loan debt free and maybe a business that was making some, you know, low to mid um, six figures, which is cool. But now doing that, not only did I have enough money to, to pay off my student loan debt, cause I didn't focus on debt. I finally got to it, but, but I focused on, well, I was able to buy this house for $180,000 cash. I was able to renovate this house, another six-figure renovation. I was able to pay off my parents' house, $120,000. You see what I mean? Mm. So focusing on wealth allowed me to have all the things, including debt freedom. Focusing on just getting debt-free just gets you that. You yeah, would be think, Roman, four uh, years old, with no debt, but no money. No, nah, it's, it's, it's true what you said. And a lot of times, I think especially in our community, we equate debt. It's only like bad debt that we think about. So mm -hmm. like cars or credit cards and stuff like that. So that's why it's such a push. And then it's like, you know, all kinds of people that preach, you know, debt-free community and all that stuff. So it's like most people have when they, and it's like all kinds of religious, nothing against the religious community, but you know, it's all kinds of religious quotes that uh, people throw in there. And it's kind of like half truths because there's good debt and there's bad debt. And if you're not fully educated, you, you think that all debt is bad where, I mean, I've told this story several times, a couple of different times on the podcast where I've done several different times where I've taken money, um, from my credit card, um, interest free for like 12, 18 months. And I invested it. And it's like, all right, if you give me $20,000 free for 18 months via balance transfer, but people don't even know you can put the balance transfer into your actual bank account. I right, give me 20,000. I give it back to you 18 months. Let me flip this. By the time I flip it, I done doubled it. And I just got to pay you back the 20,000 that I borrowed. So I just use that as an example that there's, there's, there's good debt and there's bad debt. And especially when you're in business, um, I mean, it's kind of really almost impossible to run a business without any debt at some point. If you plan on really scaling, like even major corporations, they have debt for the most part, like very few companies have no debt at all. You have to be responsible and manage the debt properly. But it's a leverage. It's a leverage tool. Really. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're unfortunate in that we, because wasn't nobody lending lending my black behind money, right? Like, that's not happening. And Wells Fargo was like, oh, "Girl, get out." Um, so I had to build the budgetista from the ground up, you know, with like, so we had to. The budgetista became the bank. So as the budgetista started to do well, 
then it was enabled me to branch out to my other companies and the budgetista became the bank lending to those other companies other companies made money paid the budgetista back and now um one of my companies is um we had our first seven figure month right and so and then we have reoccurring of just under seven figures so by next month we'll be an eight figure a year company with no debt so do we use credit cards um to pay for things like marketing but we pay them off in full every month we have an amex card that we use largely so here we are eight figure a year company and and no no um long-term debt you know so it's i just say all that that like it's possible to do the things that you want. I mean, and still I live fairly simply. Like if you see me out here in these streets, you would never know. Right. <laughs> um, because I, you know, because it was like, do I elevate my lifestyle right now? Or do I pour back into my business? So I had already told my financial planners, I believe that, you know, I have a financial planner because I was at a certain point where I knew I know how to make money. I know how to save money. I know how to budget money, but I really wanted to learn how to grow my money to the next level. So I hired a financial planner uh, for myself and, and my husband. One, one of the beautiful things about you and ourselves is uh, like 2010, we were just like, I was fresh out of college um, teaching. And uh, one of the things I, I saw in education is that financial literacy wasn't being taught in school. And so I reached for my best friend. I'm like, yo, you, you know, you, you're doing finance. Why don't we try to teach finance to kids? And it seems like around the same time you were doing this, a similar thing. Uh, you want to talk about the, the law A144 or, or as we know it, as the world should know it, the budgetista law? <laughs> yeah, so I had dope friends, same. Um, you, re you, you know, you have to just understand that your, your deposits, your, what you deposit as seeds, you get to reap later, right? You get to reap that harvest. So I was teaching financial education at the United Way. There was a, a, a young woman there. Her name was Angela V. McKnight at the time. She was working for like IBM or something, but she did so much for her community in Jersey City. Someone was like, yo, you should be an assembly woman because you do so much. You have this nonprofit, you're dope. So she ran and she won. So she hit me up and was like, hey, Tiffany, you know, I took your class at the United Way. It was a six-week course. I want to do something for um, education for the city, um, or for not just the city, but for the state of New Jersey. And I told her, well, Jersey's ahead of the curve in that we had already had a law in place for high school, right? And But I told her, I believe, because I used to teach preschool, that kids as low as three and four should be getting financial education, age-appropriate financial education. Mm -hmm. So she and I met up at the... At the, at the um, Starbucks downtown Newark, and we started to write write the bill. It was like uh, if you ever like you know Schoolhouse Rock. I'm just a bill. It was like like a civics class of like all the steps that had to go to to become a law. First, you sit down, you kind of write out what you're thinking. Then her team has to do research to see what's already out there. Maybe there's outstanding bills there wasn't. I told her that it should be elementary and middle school, so we wrote up a bill. We met with these different committees because you have to have people on board. And so we met up with edu the education committee. They said, we love it. And she was like, I need you to come because the teachers are kind of pushing back. You know, as a teacher, there's always some new initiative. You're like, what now? Yeah. We already have math time, English time. They're like, what now? They don't, they don't like change and they don't like anything added to their schedules. Yes. And so I said, I agree. You're right. Because a teacher, I was like, you know what? You're right, Susan. I hated that. <laughs> like, are we doing something else now? I'm not doing it, you know? <laughs> and so what, what what I did was I went back and we edited the bill to say that it wouldn't, it, you, it was mandatory to have financial education integrated into the school day. So meaning you could be teaching science and talking about money. So like how much would it cost to clean up the park? You could be teaching colors and, or you could be teaching like art and maybe you're making a savings box. So integration versus like stop, it's money time. 
So the <laughs> teacher's like, I like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we met with the committee, then it has to go to like the Senate, and then it has to go to, or has to go to the House and the Senate, and they voted on it. It went all the way up to Governor Christie's desk, and it was the year that he was like on his way out. And he promised he was going to sign it, and he didn't. And in the state of New Jersey, if a governor doesn't sign a law, it's vetoed by just not signing it. There's certain states where if a governor doesn't sign a law on the way out, it's automatically integrated in, but not in New Jersey. So we worked for two years for it to get to his desk, only for him not to sign it. I was like, whatever. So, but it was it was fine because then um, we, we had to go back to the beginning, meaning like we had to rewrite the bill. And now all of a sudden they wanted to drop off the elementary school part. We were like, fine, we're not fighting. We'll just have middle school. So we went through the same committee, House, Senate, got to Governor Murphy's desk. And this is why, you know, the right thing that happens at the right time. Because if we would have had it signed under, um, what's his face? Christy. Um yeah, Christy, it wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had all the fanfare. Governor Murphy was like, not only do I love it, I super love it. So in the state of New Jersey, we have our very first black lieutenant governor, which is basically governor second in command. And he was like, I, I'm not going to be there, but I would love for this to have a signing day. Not every law gets a signing day. So not only did we have a signing day with our black lieutenant governor, you know, she was the um, uh, Lieutenant Oliver signing. We got to choose the school, and Angela chose the Barack Obama school because, you know, we keep it all the way black, okay? <laughs> and so, and then here, right? So here it is, Lieutenant Governor, black woman, Angela, assemblywoman, who made this law happen, a black woman, Bunjanista up on stage, black woman. It was such a blackly black, black affair, and all the kids in the audience, my mama came. Honestly, it was dope. And to see her sign, and she was like, this bill is now a law. It was, like, amazing. That's so, yeah. So right. it wasn't until, you know, at the time, some things don't soak in, and you're like, oh, okay, that's good. Okay, I wrote a law. Go about your business. But one of my best friends lives around the corner, and she has a daughter, Olivia, who is eight. And so they come over all the time. And then Olivia was like, Auntie Tiffany, can you help me with my homework? I said, sure. So I'm looking at this homework and it's like about money. And I'm like, you learned about money in school? She said, yeah, we started learning about money in school. And it was like, oh, snap. There it goes. Me exactly. So it, it hit me like Olivia's learning about money because something that her Aunt Tiffany did. So that was when it was like a full circle moment. So yeah. And that's going to live on for generations like that impact that you just did and it's true like it could be it doesn't have to just be in mathematics like there's there is finance and everything it could be in the literature in ela it could be in social studies it can be in science like you said like a lot of we could talk about going out of space how much rockets and how much tesla puts into or uh, spacex puts into space exploration it, it's all around us so i'm happy that you did that and I guess there's two guys who might have to work on something for New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, so we're going back for elementary school because honestly, I want that when you step foot in public school in New Jersey, from the very beginning, kindergarten, all the way up to your senior in high school, you're getting financial education. It, it's just going to set you apart for when you, when you, you know, go off into adulthood. Like if you had 12 years of financial education, you're not the same kid as a kid that didn't. So absolutely, I survived. So speaking on education, you have a, you have your own educational platform. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, so I have an online school called the Live Richer Academy. It's dope. I created, I wanted to create a safe space for women. So the Budgetista is- Is it just women? A, um, we have a handful of guys in there. I just tell them don't act up. Okay. <laughs> act up, you can get smacked up? That's what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> because I found that, right, in the, in the, in the, especially the black community. So Prudential has a study like that same, uh, um, 
black and money study where they found that women, just in general, I don't think this was like a black study, but they found that women in general make up to 70% of the financial choices in the household. So even if she's a stay-at-home mom, who's buying the groceries? Who buying the kids the kids' food? Like, you know, um, if you, you're married, right? So you you hate a car, like let's just say it's a family car. You you love the car, she hate the car. Y'all ain't getting that car. Now she love the car and you like, eh, y'all getting that car, right? And so, because women have a lot of influence on how, even if they're not making the money on how money is spent. Right. So I realized that if I wanted to help my community, the best way to do it is through women. And I am a woman, so it's easier for women to listen and to flock to me. Um, and so I started when I started the Budgetista 10 years ago. Um, I started kind of like our crew. Like um, I always say, like we're the beehive of personal finance and we call ourselves dream catchers because words mean things. And we're like over 900 women deep in over 100 different countries. Like we are in formation. Mm. Um, and so I have a Facebook group. It's like 500,000 women in there 24 hours a day. 80% of the group is engaged, um, that we just help each other. Like, well, does anybody know how to do a budget? Does anybody know anything about credit? How much does the baby shoes cost? You can ask anything in that group. It's a safe space. And so I was teaching the basics and then as I was growing, so I'm a baby millionaire, you know, I'm not going to front. And so as I, <laughs> so as I would, my husband be like, yo, I still be out here in these streets, not like the street streets, but like with his friends, like, don't be staying, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you don't, they don't know where I live, babe. They don't know where I live. But, um, and honestly, you're not gonna find nothing but like some, you know, Target clothes. So run up and you can get done up. Um, so, um, so, um, what I learned now, so with the academy, what I realized is that you cannot budget your way to wealth. Right. So you can budget, you can say that's great. But at some point you have to elevate to the next level. And I realized that I had gotten to this level because of my, especially my dad. And I realized that I need instruction. I need mentorship. I need experts. And so I started myself pulling people from the financial community to teach me how to do certain things. You know, like how do you invest in real estate? How do you invest? Like what's the best retirement account? Like all these things that I didn't know 10 years ago, I was pulling them in and I started to raise my own net worth from negative 300,000 when I lost the house and I had the credit card debt and the, and the student loans to now like just over a million dollars, you know, like 1.1 or 1.2, right? My net worth. And so, and I'm completely debt free. Like I don't owe nothing on this house. I, we own two houses, two cars. We don't owe, we don't have any credit card debt. We're for real debt free, you know? And, um, so I thought to myself as I was growing and I'm teaching the women the basics, you know, a lot of the women were outgrowing the basics. So the basics I give away for free. So like the Facebook group, dream catchers, live richer with the budget Nista, free. All of my challenges free, you know, most of the information free. But I thought to myself, as I'm elevating and growing, I want to bring along my girls. And so, and they were asking me for more, but I'm like, well, that's not really my expertise. So I started to reach out to the people that helped me to elevate and said, can you teach a class? And I started to put these classes together and I created the Live Richer Academy where it's like 50 or 60 different experts. Ash Cash, our boy, teaches. Um, so I reach out to the best of the best of the best and we have classes. And 
it's awesome. And we have 31,000 students inside the Literature Academy. They be getting their life, buying houses, real estate, starting businesses, getting press, raising their kids. It's like, it's amazing every day in our, we have a private um, forum where people post their wins. Like some of the wins are like tremendous credit scores raising. And so we have these experts come in and teach and the Academy is just like a warm embrace. And it's really there to help you elevate beyond the fundamentals to like truly start to grow wealth for yourself. That's what I want for us. And I'm proud of the Literature Academy. It's it's four years old. Um, it just had we just had our first seven figure month, um, and so so seven figures in a month. It's like oh that's cute, you know. But how much did you spend to get seven figures in a month? So what I'm really proud of is like not the end of this month, but we're on track by the end of next month to have seven figures reoccurring, meaning with no market spend, with no output except for um, salary and like bills. And our salary and bills and things are. I think last time she told me my um, my CFO work it's under 10%. Mm. So under 10% of our total income goes to keeping this academy running without without the market spend, um, and it will be reoccurring income will be seven figures by the end of next month because we're at about $800,000 a month reoccurring. So that's like tremendous with no debt. And that's so amazing. I'm just proud of the academy, you know, like of like what we've been able to do and how many people we've been able to help. I mean, we've helped our audience save well over $200 million, pay off $150 million worth of debt. Uh, we've transformed lives. Like, yo, I can't go anywhere without some sister hemming me up and giving me a hug and crying. <laughs> and thank you so much. Yo, even when I walk these streets, like people are like, Hong Kong, budget niece, is that you? I'm like, it is, girl. Keep give, it cute. Give me six feet. <laughs> I want to be an example that you could do good work, that you could help good people and that you could make good money, that those things are not conflicting values. You know, like you don't have to have a business that takes advantage of people. You could have a business that's transparent, that truly is of service, um, that transforms lives, that, you know, that leans into the community that you want to speak to. We don't take advantage. I don't like uh, every day a credit card company leans into me and says like, yo, you know, we'll give you $300 a person if you sign them up. And I'm like, yo, kick rocks. I, yo, I can make be making so much more money for all the people that come to me and ask me to like sell out my community. I'm like, nah, yo. I don't want to make money in that way. I want to be an example that you can show up, like, you know, you can show up, be kind, keep your community first, and still make bank. Like, you think I'm not going to be like, yo, we're on our way. Like, our goal is nine figures. You think we're not going to make it? Hell yeah, we're going to make it and still be good to our community and pour back in. Because I set aside 10% and pour right back into the community uh, that we serve. So it's just a pleasure. So, yeah, the Literature Academy is my jam. Yeah, and uh, we actually have something for your for y'all listeners who are wanting to be part of the Literature Academy. Like I said, we have some men in there. I'm sure they've been dragged by their girlfriends and their and their wives. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so anybody could join. Like, um, I mean, like I say sis a lot, but if you don't mind that, it's the same. Like the same information for men and women. It's just that I would say 96 percent of my audience are women. Come on, Jermaine. Um, you coming? Yeah. And so yeah. Um, for your audience, I actually gave y'all like um like if you were to go to liveforyouracademy.com, you'll see the full price. But for your audience, I gave you guys a um a forty percent off discount link for you could either pay monthly or you could pay get two months free if you pay annually and you just pay the one lump sum. So it's like a gym membership. Um, where like if you pay monthly, it comes out every month. I mean, you could cancel at any time, obviously, but I don't like people to get the hot. Sometimes people are like, I signed up for one month. I'm like, sis, it's a membership. <laughs> <laughs> but you can cancel, but like, you know, you signed up on the 15th. Expect I'll be back on the 15th. <laughs> I love our people. <laughs> like I said, you can pay for the year. 
and get and get um uh, get one month free, but it's forty percent off. So I don't know if I say should say price because who knows when people are gonna listen to it. I mean I don't plan on raising the price anytime soon. So I'll say for now. So right now it's it's fifty bucks a month if you were to go to liveretiracademy.com. But if you use the link for earned your leisure, yeah, yeah. it's not fifty bucks a month. It's twenty nine ninety nine a month. So forty percent off. That's dope. Um, twenty nine ninety nine a month for um for for now and then <laughs> like i said the annual normally would have been um i think like five hundred dollars or six hundred dollars for the year but uh for in your leisure it's uh uh 299 dollars so 300 bucks for the whole year because you get two months free um and so yeah i mean all of that value i'll say this i always tell people like 29.99 a month right for the 40 percent off that's a dollar a day you know so many people like my attorney is in there like <laughs> you can't even like speak his name for a dollar you know, like if he does a contract for me, I gotta be like, dang, Ari Word. Like the the the, the homie hookup for an for a, um he did a contract for me was th- um was three thousand dollars. That was uh, the homie hookup, and he's in there teaching. You know, my um my CFO Shanta, she is the dopest. She just did a whole class about how to set up your business. So you want to hire Shanta? Yo, I pay Shanta six figures. You may have, you're not even, you're getting Shanta, you're getting Nativa, you're getting Ash Cash, you're getting all these amazing people. My girl Sandy, who teaches you how to side hustle and make money on the side. My girl Tila, who teaches you, like, you do want to invest in, in stocks, individual stocks, and learn how to trade options. She teaches that. Like, yo, you want to work with Tila, it's $1,500, I believe. She might actually charge 2000 for her course. But what makes the Academy special is that Everyone in my community knows how much I want to pour into the community. So they donate their time to us like that's because there's no way I could make the academy 30 bucks a month. Ain't no way. Because there'd be like if I had to pay each of the, those folks for what they're what they're worth, but they want to pour back into a community that they know might not otherwise be able to afford their level of expertise. And so they're like, Tiffany, I got you. You know, I'm going to come, I'm going to teach my class, and I'm going to make sure that folks get it. And so, um, yeah, it's just a blessing. Like it's, And when you get that level of commitment, when you get that intention poured into you, like the sky is the limit. Like I said, we have 31,000 members right now, about 300, 300 people, 300 people new join a day. And it's like a love fest in there. Um, so, yeah, get your, get your 40% off. Use their link. Um, and I'll see you in the academy. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you doing that for us. And, um yeah, it's it's always um, a blessing to just to meet people and like I said, I checked it out. I actually checked it out, um, and it's super official. So if anybody's interested, like like um, Tiffany said, you know, she was kind enough to give us a special discount for EYL. So um, we put in the link in the bio, uh, well, the description. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be in the description. It'll also be on our website mm-hmm. on our EYL alumni tab. Um, so you can go to our EYL alumni tab on EYL, uh, earnyourleisure.com and um, we'll have the links everywhere. So once again, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Appreciate thank you, it. Ernest. Take advantage how, of it. How can people contact you on social media? Um, any new initiatives that you um, want to make the people aware of? So yeah, I am the budget nista everywhere. Um, the budget needs to on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, or even on TikTok. But I am not TikToking. But I mean, <laughs> my name though, ain't nobody gonna be TikToking under my name. Don't rush the don't um, rush challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So Twitter everywhere. I'm the budget needs to. Um, my favorite part probably right now is like Instagram. Uh, but like you know, I you can follow me there. Yeah. But um, congrats on three hundred thousand. Thank you. Yeah, right. I was like, I'm on my, I made it. Yeah. So um um. So yeah, so I'm also, it's just thebudgetista.com. So if you're looking for resources and stuff, I have a ton of resources. One of my things is that my biggest thing, you don't have to spend money with me to get help. 
Like when, when you're a teacher, you are a teacher for real, for real. You know, you're like, I can't help but teach. Like you catch me at the Whole Foods, bougie, then I'm going to be by the oranges like a girl. And that's how you fix your credit. Like I can't help it. Like, See these you, oranges? Like, <laughs> like a teacher is truly a calling. So I always say like, because I know not everybody, I mean, for some people, $30 a, a month is too much, you know? So we, I have a ton of free resources to help you get and stay on financial track. So, so I believe of service first. Um, so yeah, the budget needs to everywhere. Um, but like probably my most exciting new product, I have a ton of books, but you can type in budget East on Amazon and find them. But this is my baby. I don't know if they can see my baby. So her name is Molly Moore. And I said, okay, how do I go back to my preschool teacher roots and come for the babies and start teaching pre-financial education in a way that's age appropriate? So for the last like forever years, I've been working on this book um, and this character. So it's going to be the first of many um, uh, of her series. And it's called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. And this book in particular teaches kids the difference between more and like what truly does more mean? More present, more stuff, or more family, more friends. So at the end, because you know, the teacher me, like, I can't just like have a book and it's like a cute book. At the at the back of the book, I actually have like um, a section where it's like extend the lesson questions and extend the lesson activities. So you as a parent can read the book and be like, okay, how do I make sure that they my kid gets the the lesson about what this book is supposed to teach? So if or if you're a teacher, an educator, you're like, oh, I don't feel like making a whole lesson plan. You ain't got to, girl, I did it for you. There goes the assessment. <laughs> exactly. For real. And I aligned it with like, you know, state and federal standards on purpose. So that way it makes it easy for you. And so I'm just so proud of it because it just is like me going back to my roots. And um, yeah, so Molly Moore, it's available at mollymore.com, M-A-L-I-M-O-R-E. So I figure Molly, you know, you think like, oh, Molly? No, Molly, like the African country, M-A-L-I. That's the first, that's the first thing I thought about. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> no, I was like, man, her name is Molly. And I did it on purpose because I was like, Dora is just Spanish enough. So I was like, well, how can I do that for uh, my little black baby? And so, yeah, M-A-L-I-M-O-R-E. But I'm just really proud of her because it's just it's been literally like over 10 years in the making. This book has been in my head and to have it physically in front of me. We did a Kickstarter and we raised like seventy five thousand dollars. I couldn't even believe it. My damn self. Um, almost double what we were asking for. Um, when I tell you already, major networks have reached out about turning her into a show. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, when you really step in, like if I could leave anybody with anything, it's not like, yo, there's nothing special about me except for my relentless pursuit for excellence. I'm like, yo, it could always be better. Everyone on my team is a freaking beast. So much so I call them unicorns. Shout out to the unicorn squad because they make magic happen every day. So like, I I mean, I think I'm smart enough. I think everything in me is like, ah, enough. Like I'm smart enough, like B plus smart, B smart, you know? I'm chill, chill enough, you know, I'm cute enough, you know, but like what makes me, sets me apart is like, yo, can't stop, won't stop, relentless pursuit of excellence. Though so this book is 10 years in the making. Who works on something for 10 years? I do. Cause it was going to be right. And as soon as I open the floodgates, if I tell you some of your faves have reached out, like I got a production company. I would love for Molly Moore. Yo, when I just posted the screenshot book wasn't even printed yet. I already had like three deals on the table. I'm like, what? So if I, if I can leave you with anything is that like, yo, the relentless pursuit of excellence and it's not about killing yourself. It's about daily deposits. What is it that you want out of life? Write that mess down and deposit into your dream bank daily. Like, ah, uh, you know, I want, I want a business. Okay. Did you do your Google search today? Did you read, did you listen to earn your leisure today? 
Did you read a book, you know? Every day depositing something into your goals and dreams and, and the sky's the freaking limit. Like, yo, some of the things I've been able to accomplish, yo, I used to be a preschool teacher. 10 years ago, I was wiping butts during this time, right? And now, you know, I could pay somebody to wipe my butt if I wanted. That's an, that's, that's an option. That's an option. Hey, everything's on the table. Yeah. <laughs> if you got the cash, right? Yeah, yeah. Teddy Biasi said that. Everybody's got price. Somebody got to be Virgil. Learned that in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> 80s babies, for real. Well, yeah. <laughs> Troy, housekeeping items? Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Big shout out to our newest member, Anthony. He said, listen, Troy, can you do me a favor? Let the world know that I came to Patreon because of Janet, who is part of Ernie Lisa University. She is an outstanding contributor to uh, EYLU. Um, so shout out to Janet for recommending Anthony and welcome to the family, Anthony. That's our Proud to Pay program. We have a bunch of tiers that you can join at. And some of those tiers lead you to EYLU and they also lead you to our private real, fa real estate uh, Facebook group, who is he which is headed by our brother, MG, the mortgage shout guy. Out shout out to, to him. Shout out to Matt. Yeah. That group is, I mean, I can't even keep we should, up with we, the numbers. We, we should do some kind of collab. Yeah. We got EYL University and a private real estate group on Facebook. I know you got, obviously, you know, the whole movement. Um, yeah, we'll talk. Maybe we, we yeah. can do something. That would, be, that yeah. would be crazy. Sure. Yeah, the community is growing at a, a, a vast, a very fast rate. And uh, shout out to everybody that is purchasing the merch. Like, the merch is flying, like, out the stores right now. Yeah. So everybody that's been supporting that, we appreciate it. We got our Market Mondays coming out, the shirts. And we got uh, our earner shirts coming out. Shout out to our group. Market, so, Market Mondays, the hottest stock show on the world, in the yeah, world. In the community. In the, in the world, not the community, in the world. <laughs> uh, Why you claim it, right? You're a heavyweight champion of the world. You yeah. better claim it. You know what? You're right. I world. apologize. Yeah. We're taking it. <laughs> every, every community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as exclusively on our YouTube channel. Shout out to Ian Dunlap, Master Investor. That's... um. That's picking up so much steam. It's crazy, right? Yo, every week we set a new record of, of attendance, yeah, man. Yeah, so. for sure. So once again, guys, thank you for rocking with us. We appreciate it. See you next week. Peace. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.